Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Suzanne Blimson and this is News in Focus, where we offer our insights into the global news stories that matter. Privacy is the new mantra for big tech executives keen to rebuild our trust in technology. But despite promises of end-to-end encryption, it seems the personal data we carry in our pocket is not secure from prying eyes. An Israeli company has been selling spyware that invades your smartphone via WhatsApp. Malcolm Moore discusses the revelations with Mehul Shrivastava in Jerusalem and Robert Smith in London. So Mehul, this is a pretty large breach. Can you talk us through a little bit about what we found out and when we found it out? Well, Malcolm, we've been reporting out a story about this company, the NSO Group here in Israel for quite some time. About a few weeks ago, we were informed by a very reliable source that the company had developed a technology that allows somebody who's operating that software to breach a iPhone security through leaving a missed call on WhatsApp. And that then allowed the operators to install a piece of software called Pegasus, which eventually hijacks the entire phone. Okay. And is it both iPhones and Android phones? The source that we spoke to initially spoke about iPhones, but we know now that it was both iPhones and Androids. It was a ability to go through a vulnerability that exists within the WhatsApp app itself, which people use on all sorts of phones around the world, about a billion and a half of them. Okay. I think it's important to note that WhatsApp has now fixed this problem, but when did they find out about it? We were told by people close to WhatsApp that they were aware of this problem for a little bit over a week and that they had started to make changes to the infrastructure late last week, around Thursday or Friday, to thwart these attempts, but to fully close the gap, they had to issue a global update that about a billion and a half people around the world would have to download before this specific vulnerability is completely closed. And so anybody using this would be able to just make a voice call on WhatsApp, and whether you answered the call or not, they would be able to inject the spyware onto your phone. When this Pegasus software was on your phone, what could it do? So the understanding that we have, and you have to remember the company doesn't really talk publicly about its product very much because it sells to law enforcement agencies and spy agencies around the world. But our understanding from sources and from prior reporting and from research at the University of Toronto is that it entirely hijacks the ability of the iPhone. It starts to mirror its contents on a screen halfway around the world, which allows you to go into encrypted messages on WhatsApp or Signal, to troll through email, to turn on the camera and the microphone, to watch or record meetings. It basically turns the phone into a broadcasting device for any intelligence agency that's using it. Now, as Mahul says, Rob, we've been watching NSO Group for a while, and we know that the alarm about this technology was raised a while back, and Amnesty in February also started raising concerns about the involvement of a UK private equity fund in NSO. Can you tell us a little bit more about what was going on there? Sure. So NSO was recently acquired by a company called Novalpina, which is a UK private equity firm. It's headed up by a guy called Stephen Peel, who used to be at TPG, which is one of the most famous private equity firms in the world. Now, Novalpina's whole niche is investing in sectors or geographies that maybe some private equity firms might be a bit squeamish about investing in or might think a bit risky. So you can see why NSO Group might appeal to them. But what happened was that Amnesty International sent an open letter raising some of the concerns that certain activists and human rights campaigners had flagged. And it came at a pretty disastrous time for the company because they 
just got a deal underwritten. And by that, I mean that two banks had agreed to back a loan of theirs with the view to then sell it to a group of investors. This open letter came out just as they were about to start meeting these investors. You know, there's a whole thing at the moment where people are desperate for investing in loans and bonds, which offer a lot of yield. But even investors are going to get pretty nervous when they start seeing open letters about ethical qualms about a company. So it really came at the worst possible time. Okay. And from your point of view, what do you think Novalpina's strategy is here with NSO? I mean, I think the strategy is, if you put aside all the ethical concerns, this thing makes a lot of money. Um, you know, revenues have grown from 100 odd million in 2014 to 250 million last year. Um, in terms of EBITDA, it's EBITDA, which is a measure of earnings, has, has more than doubled. Um, it throws off a lot of cash. There's a lot of money in selling this software to governments. I think it was purely a financial investment. And look, Novalpina have made a lot of noise around the fact that they think that they can bring certain ethical standards to this company. They apparently have a very good faith belief that this company does a lot of good as well as some of the bad things that it's been accused of. So they obviously see an opportunity there in investing in a business that's very cash generative that maybe some other private equity firms would be more worried about from a reputational standpoint. Right. So Mehul, um, just turning back to you, one of the reasons that NSO has been flagged by Amnesty is this Pegasus software, because we know, or at least we think we know, that it's been used against various human rights campaigners, activists, people around the world, people in sensitive situations. Can you tell us a little bit more about what we know about how it's been used in the past? So the company says that they sell to intelligence agencies that they personally vet and then get an approval from the Israeli government for to sell. They never name their clients, but there's these researchers at the University of Toronto, a place called Citizen Lab, who can track this company's fingerprint software and its servers and other sorts of technical things throughout the internet, and they follow them to their targets. And they have identified over 100 people who do not appear in any way to be legitimate targets of intelligence gathering. Instead, they tend to be human rights campaigners, journalists, dissidents, critics of the government. One of the strongest accusations is that Saudi Arabia, and this is an allegation that's being made in a lawsuit here in Israel against the company, is that Saudi Arabia used this software in order to hack into the phone of a Saudi dissident who lives in Canada. That person was very close friends with Jamal Khashoggi, the Washington Post journalist who was murdered in Istanbul by Saudi hitmen. And the allegation is that the hack into his friend's phone allowed the Saudi government more information in order to murder this person, essentially. It's a very serious allegation. But there are others from Mexico and from Qatar where you regularly see accusations quite credible because they are working their way through court right now that this software has shown up on phones of human rights campaigners, dissidents, critics, the sort of people that a lot of repressive governments like to keep an eye on. Okay, and when you spoke to NSO and you put all of this to them, what did they say about these allegations? NSO is a large company, and our conversations with them took quite some time to get through. But the essence of their argument is that the company is a responsible, ethical company that sells a very crucial technology that law enforcement and anti-terrorism officials around the world definitely need. And if there is any abuse of its software by some of its clients, it remains unaware of it because the way they've designed the software, they never see the data collected by their clients. 
That's something that these lawsuits allege isn't entirely true, but that's something that these really courts will work out. But the company's defense is entirely that we sell a necessary product to law enforcement and we vet our customers and we revisit the contracts all the time. And through deep investigation, they found three instances of abuse that they're not willing to identify and that they have canceled contracts in the past for abuse. Is it regulated at all, the sale of this software? So the Israeli government considers this software so powerful that it regulates it as a weapon. And permission to sell this to anybody, not just anybody in the region, is given only after consideration from the Ministry of Defense. Which is why it's interesting that we have found evidence from these researchers and other people that this software has ended up in telephones in places like Saudi Arabia, in Bahrain, and Morocco. These are countries that don't have diplomatic ties with the Israeli government and in many ways are considered rivals of the Israeli government. But at a time when Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has positioned Israel as an alternative when pushing back against Iran, these sales open a door for the Israeli government to start having some conversations, if not very fruitful ones, about future partnerships. And can you tell us, has there been any more reaction in Israel since we broke the story about the WhatsApp hack? Israel is a very surveillance-heavy country. People here understand how companies and the government work in this kind of surveillance society that we're all in right now. The story was in a lot of the newspapers here and the television newscasts, but we haven't seen any response from the government or from the Ministry of Defense on how things go forward. They will, though, have to make a formal response sometime soon because Amnesty International is pushing through a administrative and legal action to try and get the Ministry of Defense to cancel the export license that NSO Group has. But that's a slow-moving process, and there haven't been any updates on that either. Now, WhatsApp says that this particular problem is now fixed, both on the server side and on the customer side, as long as people have updated their phones to the latest version of WhatsApp. But presumably, the next version of spyware will be along shortly. Do we have any indication of what's coming next? This company is famous for advertising to its customers that no matter what Apple or WhatsApp or Signal or any of the apps that you throw its way intend to do, which is to protect the privacy within that phone, they will figure out ways around it. In the investor presentation that we wrote about in the story, that was part of their sales pitch, is that it takes them weeks, days, hours to get over all the obstacles thrown by them. So, of course, there will be a new version of, if not Pegasus, then other spyware that is able to get into phones. The question is, how does one regulate its sales in such a way that they only end up with legitimate law enforcement agencies that tend not to abuse that privilege? rather than with governments that have histories of abuse well-documented in lawsuits around the world. So, Mahul, if Israel is a surveillance-conscious culture, do people not carry smartphones these days? I think that there's a distinct tendency amongst senior officials to be very careful with the data on their phones. Some of them don't carry smartphones. We know that Prime Minister Netanyahu doesn't carry one. Defense Minister Avigdor Lieberman, who approved the sales of the software, showed off a Nokia phone to us that he his wife and his family can get in touch with him, and he tends not to carry anything on him. In the lead-up to the elections here, it became clear that there were attempts from outside of Israel to hack into the phones of a former prime minister, a prime ministerial candidate, etc. So in the society where people understand how effective and how targeted surveillance can be, there is a tendency to take greater precautions than I've seen in the outside world. Okay. Thanks very much, Mahul. Thanks, Rob. That was Malcolm Moore, Technology News Editor, talking to Rob Smith in London and Mehul Shrivastava in Tel Aviv. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, if you missed our recent episodes on the US-China trade war, Carlos Ghosn's Lebanon Connections, or elections in India, you can find them on all the usual podcast platforms.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.